Okay, we are in James chapter 4, and we are going to cover today one verse in James chapter 4, and that's verse 4, because it is packed with things that we, that we need to do. We might, might talk a little bit about verse 5 as well, but James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You know, compared to James in the Bible, I am mild, really mild. And one guy contacted me this week and and, and asked me to speak on campus and, and, and asked me to be sensitive to, to people from different backgrounds. And they didn't know what he meant. You know, I thought I always was sensitive. I said, I, I never sing, single anybody out. I hit them all and convict them all with the power of the gospel. I don't care who they are. You know, it, it doesn't matter to me. I don't see race. I don't see sex. I don't see denomination. Just the truth of God. But never did I come into a group of people and say, you adulteresses. Never have I done that. This is what the guy does. And you think that, you know, James is really hard. But remember, he's a pastor. He's a pastor of the church in Jerusalem. He says in the beginning of this epistle that I am writing this to the twelve tribes dispersed abroad, so they knew their heritage. There were twelve tribes dispersed abroad. This thing of, of the lost tribes, again, and that's nothing real. They knew their tribal identities. The twelve tribes dispersed abroad. The diaspora had occurred. And he's writing to them. He loved these people. This was James the pious. And he's writing to these people, and then he addresses them. He says, you adulteresses. Now, why would he do that? Can you imagine a pastor today getting up and saying that to his congregation? I mean, everybody would want to leave. But this is why I enjoy college students. People say, well, why do you always teach college students? It's because I can hit you guys every week in the stomach and you come back. <laughs> if, I, if I were to say these type of things to people who are older, they get offended really easily and they don't want to come back. But the truth really hits us like this sometimes. He says, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? I mean, this is quite a strong way of expressing himself. Friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So the second sentence there is very much like the first where he says that friendship with the world is hostility toward God. Then he says again, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So lest we try to rationalize away what he meant in the first sentence, he said it again. We're confronted with this again. This world, this word world means world system. The system of the world. If you make yourself out in this way, to be a friend of the world system, it is hostility toward God. It is making ourselves an enemy toward God. Now, what could this mean? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 
33, 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now watch this. I need, I need somebody who's strong. You look strong. Come up here. Tell me your name again. We met last night, didn't we? Yeah, no. Did we meet last night? When did we meet? Okay. Stand right up there. Stand up there. You're all right. Yes. Okay. Daniel. Pull me up. Pull me up. I got this example. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> now watch. Very easy to pull a man down. Very hard to pull him up. Thank you, Daniel. You did a good job. Very easy to pull a person down. Very hard to pull them up. Bad company corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. You know, there's a verse like that in in, in Proverbs. In Proverbs 22, verse 24, it says, Don't associate with an angry man, lest you pick up his ways. We become like who we hang around. That is true. And we're going to look at the way Jesus fellowshiped and the way Jesus interacted with the world. But Jesus Himself said in Matthew 6.24, You cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and the world system. God and mammon. God and money. Either you will love the one and hate the other, or you will hate the one and love the other. You can't do it. Jesus Himself said that. You can't pull a man up. You can easily pull them down. And it is so easy for us to get pulled down. James said, if we are friends with the world, it makes ourselves an enemy with God. So how did Jesus do this? Let me... You have an announcement for us. Okay, so... There's this strong word that James says. He says, you adulteresses. Now think about this. Think about, think about a married man going out and spending an hour with a prostitute and then coming home and saying to his wife when she confronts him, says, you know, it's no big deal. There's no relationship there. It was just something of the flesh. The prostitute doesn't have my heart. Oh, well then I guess it's okay. No, would she say that? Probably not. Even though there was no heartfelt relationship, just something of the flesh, we can all see that what was done was the work of an adulterer. It is a serious thing. Now take a woman who's a married woman, and she goes and she has repeated meals, dinners, out with a man who's not her husband. And they talk and they spend three-hour evenings together talking. And she comes home one night and her husband confronts her. And she says, well, you know, it was nothing of the flesh. It's just we enjoy talking with one another. He listens to me. We connect. Would that be a good relationship? No, that wouldn't be good at all. 
A man is to connect with his wife physically and emotionally, and his wife with him. And when that sort of relationship is coming, that, that whether it's of the flesh without the heart, or the heart without the flesh, still, it can be categorized as an adulterous and adulterer relationship. And in the same way, we often justify, well, you know, that the world doesn't have my heart just because I enjoy being with them. Now, let's see the way Jesus enjoyed being with the world and his mission in it. So, one of the things that we can see is that whenever Jesus was with the world, his disciples were with him. He was surrounded by his disciples and he was ministering. And even when he happened to have been left alone and he was confronted by the woman at the well, I mean, all he did was start to preach to her and to say, if you knew the gift of God that was among you, you would have asked and he would have given you eternal water and you would have thirsted no more. The relationship that Jesus had with the world, he loved the world so much he gave himself for the world. But look at the way he had a relationship. Look in Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Then it happened as Jesus was reclining at the table in the house, Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. So you see, this was the conversion of Matthew, the guy who wrote this book. Sometimes he's referred to as Levi, the tax collector. And what did he do? He, start, he invited Jesus to dinner on the night that he started following him, and he invited all his tax collector friends. And these were the worst. So we know that you know, these, these, these publicans and tax collectors, they were the worst. They were so bad that in verse 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus was very much involved with people of the world. But it was within the community and the context of the other disciples. He was there with all of the other disciples. And it was for him an outreach, not a fellowship with the world. This is the way he, he dealt with things of the world. Look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul deals with this with those in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Reading from verse... Nine, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world, or with the covetous and swindlers, or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But I actually wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother, if he's an immoral person, or covetous, or an idolater, or a reviler, or drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. So what he's saying is, I don't want you to totally disengage from the world, but remember what our purpose is in the world. 
Our purpose is to be a witness to those who are in the world. Let's take what James has said and just put it a little bit differently. Why would he say friendship with the world makes us an enemy with God? Why would he do this? Maybe it's because friendship, our friendship with the world, is insufficient. Because if I have a bunch of friends that I just like to go out with, who don't know Christ, I am doing this for my own pleasure, or for their pleasure, or the combination of that. What if God is calling me to some higher place? What if He's calling me to something greater? Some higher place. In other words, where my relationship with these others is not for my pleasure because I like going out dancing. What if my relationship with them should be so that I give myself for them so that I might see them saved. You see the depth of the difference? Let me give you an example. I heard, my wife told me that my oldest daughter, Ambreen, who lives in Israel, who works among the Palestinians and the Israelis to build bonds, but spends a lot of her time in the Palestinian refugee camps, is now working with the Sudanese. I'm like, Sudanese? What is Sudanese doing in Israel? Well, apparently, a bunch of, I don't know how many thousands there are, of Sudanese Muslims, because of the turmoil that was going on and the murder and the hatred that was going on in Sudan, have walked from Sudan to Israel, through Egypt, and through the Sinai Peninsula. And they were terribly abused by the Egyptians and by the Egyptian soldiers because they didn't want them. And so here they show up in Israel. And they're not wanted in Israel either. And so they're terribly abused in Israel and Israel's trying to throw them out. And I heard that she is working among them. I said, what are you doing among them? She said, I'm teaching them English. And I'm loving them. And I thought, yes! This is exactly what you should be doing. The Bible says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You may have whatever political feelings you want, but Jesus bypassed all of that and He said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And I sent her an email of how proud I am of her. And, and I said that you would lower yourself to go. And by lower herself, I just meant, you know, just, you'd leave your office and go into these, these camps. Because the Israeli government is trying to pass a law that anybody who helps them will go to jail. And I told Shireen, my wife, I said, if she goes to jail for this, this is the best reason to go to jail. This is terrific to go to jail because of that. Because of helping those who are poor and in need and abused. And she wrote back to me, I am not lowering myself. These people are rich in spirit 
And then, and then she gave me this big lecture on, you know, you know, the Westerner and his view. And then, like, okay, okay. <laughs> no, just, I wish I had not worded it that way. But anyway, I so appreciate what she's doing. Because she's going there, not to just go dancing with the Muslims. Because she's going there to minister. Do you see what the difference? There is a difference in dealing with the world. It's not because I like to go out dancing and they go dance, so I think I'll go dancing because that's what I like to do, that's what they like to do, and it's cool. James says, adulteress, you're an adulteress. James says, adulterer, you know, don't blame this on James' tour. I didn't say this. I'm only reading it. This is the Apostle James. The half-brother of Jesus. Our motivation for dealing with the world should be different. That not only... That friendship, just friendship, isn't enough. It makes it adulterous. But I am willing to give myself for you that it is a witness. You see, it takes me from beyond myself to giving of myself. This is what God calls us to. A giving of ourselves for the world. It is different. It, our motivation is different. The people that we bring along our side. I've done lots and lots of door-to-door knocking when I was in college and in graduate school. But if I didn't have somebody at my side, I was not knocking on a door. I didn't want to knock on somebody's door and share Christ with them without someone by my side. So I would then go into the student center or something and share in a big open public setting. I didn't want any improprieties occurring. You know, I'm walking into the home with just a woman being there. I wanted other believers with me. That when we deal with the world, that we do it as Jesus did. We are surrounded by other believers and we do it with the intent of ministering the Word of God. We are not to withdraw from the world. Paul said, you, you know, you'd have to get out of the world to get away from swindlers and idolaters. He says, That's not what I mean. So the way we minister is different. It takes us beyond self. Because remember, you will get pulled down. You really will. If I like to just hang out in the bar and just hang out with you know friends in a bar, I will end up meeting a spouse in a bar. And you will end up meeting your potential spouse in a bar. And then after you're married... Your spouse will stay in the bar. You meet your potential spouse in a worship service, in a church service, serving in a local campus group. This is where you meet them. And then there's some commonality here. But he, because friendship with the world, friendship in itself is insufficient. It should be a giving of myself for the community that I'm sacrificing myself for them, that I am giving up my time, of my money, of my effort 
to witness to them. I have t- taken many of my colleagues in my department to lunch so that when I'm at lunch, I share with them something about Jesus Christ with the intent of sharing something about my faith. And it is not because I really enjoy having lunch with a colleague. It's not that. In fact, I would rather just sit in my office and have a little dried fruit by myself for my lunch. I would rather do that. Personally, I would rather do that. But I do this because of a mission. Because I'm on a mission. This is how we interact with the world. That I am giving of myself because of a mission. If some unbelieving guy is to invite me you know, out for a day of fishing, I might go. Not particularly because I like sitting out in the blazing sun waiting for some little creature to bite on the end of a string. It would be for this guy's sake because I'm fishing for his soul. There is a difference that our motivation for dealing with the world should be different than what our natural tendency is. Because our natural tendency is to be adulterers and adulteresses. This is our natural tendency. Because we think that there's no harm in this relationship to the extent that the married woman thinks there's no harm in spending hours talking to some man other than her husband. There is harm in that. It is bringing harm to her marriage in doing that. It is building a bond between her and a man who is not her husband. There is great harm in that. It harms her and it harms the community around her. We are not little islands to ourselves. Whatever we do affects our community greatly. And the community is the body of Christ and our families. So, the things that a man does affect his family. So that if a man is drawn into pornography and thinks, oh, it's not adultery, it's just pornography. What he's doing with his mind is he's being an adulterer with his mind. You say, well, I'm not married yet, so I can do it. You will be married one day, and you are to reserve yourself and your mind for your wife. It is playing adultery, because Jesus is the one who even said, if you look on a woman to lust after her, You've committed adultery with her already in your heart. Jesus said that. So we can't play games with this. We can't rationalize this away and think it's harmless. Oh, there's no harm in pornography. It's a victimless crime. That is what people will say. It's a victimless event. That is not true. Because it affects marriages, it affects communities, and the more a man does this, the more difficult it is for him to cease this practice upon marriage. You think you will be able to cease upon marriage because you have this wife? I guarantee you, you will not. You will be all the more driven 
to think of these very pictures that have been embedded on the memory of your mind while you're in the actual sex act with your wife. You will be thinking of these pictures. And I know what I'm talking about because I know myself and I have counseled many married men. And James says, you're an adulterer. You can't deal with the things of this world and think that you can easily just dismiss yourself from it. Our dealings with the world should be dealings where we go in with a mission. My mission is to win souls because these very people that I like and appreciate in the world, their souls are going to be in hell forever. And Satan is grabbing hold of their souls and saying, don't go with him. Don't listen to this message because I want you all to myself for eternity to torture you. This is the soul of these people. And it is my mission. And it is supposed to be your mission to draw them out of this. And so we go with the community to minister. So we minister to them within the context of a community. And this is how we are supposed to labor. Because friendship with the world sets us up as an enemy of God. Who wants to be an enemy of God? Any takers? You know, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, The mouth of an adulteress is a deep pit. Those who are cursed of the Lord fall into it. My God, I don't want to be cursed of you. Lord, keep me from the adulteress. I don't want to be cursed of you. You don't want to be an enemy of God. That's the way He portrays it. Just like a wife would feel if her husband is out with a prostitute, she would feel that my, my husband. And his argument is, oh, it's, it's just of the flesh. There's no heart involved. Or the husband who sees his wife pouring out her heart to another man and her justifying herself. He says, when you do this, you make yourself an enemy. It is hostility toward God. It is a hostility of the relationship. This is what he calls us to. Friendship is insufficient. We have a mission to draw people out of the world. And unless we are in the community of the body of Christ, we will be pulled down. We will not pull others up. We need the community of the body of Christ to uphold us, to stand with us, and to whom we are accountable Because I know when there's another man at my side, he knows when my eyes are straying. This guy with me knows where my eyes go. He understands it. And this is why when David said to his servants after he saw Bathsheba bathing, called the servants over, he says, Who is that woman? They said, That's Bathsheba. The wife of Uriah. The daughter of... I forget the guy's name. Both Uriah and this other guy, the father of Bathsheba. So Bathsheba's husband and Bathsheba's father were two of David's close circles of mighty men. 
And Bathsheba was the granddaughter of Ahithophel, his trusted counselor. And so they didn't just say, oh, that's Bathsheba. They said, David, I know what you're thinking. But that's Bathsheba, the wife of your soldier Uriah, the daughter of your other soldier, and the granddaughter of your counselor. You sure you want to mess around with that one, David? The men that he was with knew exactly what he was thinking. I need the accountability of the body of Christ to tell me when I am overstepping my bounds. You need the accountability. That's what the body of Christ is for. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word how you do not color it or pull anything back. For you call us adulteresses if we get involved with the people of the world without this as our central focus, a mission to see their souls saved from being dangled over the pit of hell. And I pray, Father, for these young people that you give them right perspective on the body of Christ and on the world. And you give them a mission Because friendship with the world is insufficient. It is enmity with God. Father, give them a mission to draw people. Father, your mercies and your grace abound, I pray. Father, keep them from being adulteresses and adulterers with the world. Father, I pray that they would not be enemies with God. But that you would be able to call them friends. Father, I commit them to you. May this message change their dealings. In the name of Jesus. Amen.